0: He he's been there this year. I was asking him to give me reports of what happened there because it's always exciting when you go into the midst of places where Satan has the strongest hold. And today the ministry has grown. That now God has brought him to England. He resides with us in England here. But he was a mechanical engineer by profession before the Lord called him. I will say this to you: You will receive Pastor Kola. I will show. As you receive me, he is connected with me in sonship, and I can be proud of a man like him, that he has the same heart, the same spirit with me. I've read a good number of his books. When you read him, you will read me. What you hear today will transform your life forever. And when you leave this place today, you go and advertise it and broadcast it. He'll be with us tonight, tomorrow night. And Friday, we have the privilege of having him for all these days. Well, he is the General overseer of Fountain of Wisdom Ministries. Shall we welcome together to the podium, <laughs> Reverend yeah, and
1: Hallelujah. I tell you, it's such an honor to be here today. I consider it a special honor for the Apostle to invite me to come. Amen. He's the big brother we look up to and for him to look back and say, come and be I said, oh, God is good. That I consider it a, a privilege and I know that you guys value what you've got in this place. Am I right? This is speaking to the nations. Sir Apostle, thank you, sir. Reverend Omar, thank you, ma'am. My wife sends her greetings. Please, you may be seated. Like I said, it's a joy to be here, and my topic is stewardship and servanthood. You couldn't be more accurate to go down my line to choose a subject like that because if there's anything that God has put in our hearts is how to apply God's word in things like this to bring about multiplication. Let us pray. Father I want to thank you I want to bless you for the house that you've called and have allowed me to come and share in. So I humble myself under your mighty hand and I ask you that your anointing will be fresh And your word will go forth with accuracy and power. Let it do an eternal work in your hearts and lives of your people. Let Jesus Christ be glorified. Let the saints of God be edified. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. And the people say aloud, amen. Amen. Well, since the apostle said I should say a few things about Cano, I think he has given me the freedom to say a few things that will help us connect. Say amen. Well, many years ago, after studying engineering, and I got born again on campus in Nigeria the first year, and I was full of questions. I wanted to know, you know, there is a religious spirit, and there is a spirit of revelation. How many of you know there's a difference? Let me give you an example. Religious spirit says, let us pray and fast to break the power of the besetting sin. Is it true? Revelation says, "Sin shall no longer have dominion over you. So which one do you believe in? (laughs) See what I'm saying? And one thing I love about this church, every time I've come, I've heard you make confession of God's word. I want you to know it's a rare thing. Many churches don't do it. Have you ever wondered why Jesus, when he was tempted, kept saying, it is written, it is written, it is written. Have you ever wondered Because whatever you know is written, you must have been committed to doing it before you can say it. Is somebody heard me here? If you don't have a commitment to doing it, you can, it won't come out of your mouth. So when Jesus was faced with the temptation, if you be the Son of God, turn this stone to bread, He didn't say, ah, were you not there when the voice came from heaven? Were you not there when the Spirit came upon me like a dog? That's experience. It's good. It has its place. But what He used, Is it. Is. You know what I call that? Orientation. You see, a lot of people have a religious orientation, not a word-based orientation. And if you don't have a word-based orientation, you're going to face troubles. I remember the first time I went to Kenya from Kano, That was in the 90s. I think 91 or so. Nobody met me at the airport. Because of those days, there were no emails then in our part of the world. So I thought, I've sent the mail to the man. The man didn't get the mail. So I landed at the airport and I was stranded. What would you do? Talk to me. Satan said to me, the suffering that you have not finished suffering in Kano, you've come to continue it in Kenya. Do you know what I said to Satan? It is written. But what are you going to say is written now that nobody meeting you at the airport? I said it is written, go into all the world and preach the gospel. And Kenya is part of the world. And Satan, I have come here to preach the gospel. And if you don't take your hands off my business, I'll plant churches in Kenya. I'll buy houses in Kenya. I'll buy cars in Kenya. When he heard that, he took his hands off my business. Today we have six churches in Kenya. I'm trying to say to you if you don't have an orientation of it is written please develop it. You know why? Because I've seen so many sincere believers fail when they face challenges because they don't know how to say it is written. It is written you will have longer lasting results when you know what is written. But when you don't know what is written, you will be using your mind to figure out the solution. Am I talking to somebody? <laughs> what does the Bible say? It's written about when it comes to marriage. Husbands, love your wives as well. As Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. <laughs> when I speak to people because of God has given us exposure around the world, I've been from Argentina to Australia. The first thing I do is I pick the climate in that place and I find what is written so we can confront that climate. Is somebody hearing me? In Africa, we dominate our wives. Talk to me. You didn't think I would go down that path. In Africa, we do. What the Bible says, husband, love your wives. ass." Shall I give you one secret? Let Christ be the center of your home. Yeah. He is the example of headship and the example of submission. Is the head of the church and submitted to the father. So if you let him be the center, the husband will learn from him how to be head, the wife will learn from him how to submit. Because the Bible is final authority. Can I hear loud? Can I hear? Loud? I'm telling you my orientation because when I went into Kano, I had to face all kinds of things. I was rejected by the churches in Kano. Why? They saw a young man. I will have headphones on. They thought I was listening to disco music. I was listening to messages. So they looked at me. Who do you think you are to come into this place and think you can just come? I said, I did not know you from Adam. God sent me here. I respect you for what you are doing. Why don't you give room for me to do what God has called me to do? As a church, we moved 12 times in two years. How many of you think you will remain in that kind of church? (laughs) As a church, we were moving, moving, moving. I didn't know God was moving us to our own location. When we got to the place, the person said, the owner of this land does not want to rent. He wants to sell. I looked up. I said, how can we buy? Then I found out it is written. Hallelujah. (laughs) To cut a long story short, Money came from as far as Saudi Arabia to pay for that land. Why? Because somebody was doing youth call. And the power of God impacted the life of that girl so much. She sent to her father who was a professor in Saudi. A medical professor. And God spoke to his heart. He sent dollars. We bought land in Canaan. You know what that tells me? My God shall supply. According to? That liberated me. Why? Because I've been learning to live by faith. I've been living one day at a time by faith. Say amen. And so the church started and we began to grow. God opened the doors of the nations to us from Cano. We were traveling from Kano to different parts of the world. Before God, now when we came to this country, God said, I have a work for you in this land. And I'm like, God, I've not finished the one you gave me in Kano. Why should I come to this place? And I didn't have rest in my heart, so I began to pray. My wife also heard it; she began to pray. Eventually, God gave us arrangements for us to be able to come in. And I'm like, God, what is going on here? So we went and located in where we are, but we didn't start as a church. I said, I don't like church. Church trouble is too much. I don't want to have any church. I'll just be traveling around. One day God told me, he said, you need a model church that can capture the essence of what you're about. I said, God, help me. Long story short, we planted church. Say amen. Right now in that church, over 20 different nationalities call that their local church. Chinese, Korean, Australian, French, German. How many of you think it's easy to disciple different people? You see, if an African doesn't come to church, you you phone, you phone the African. You say, our pastor loves me. Is that true? If a Caucasian doesn't come to church, you phone him and say, "This is an intrusion on my privacy." <laughs> Why are you worrying me? One guy told me, he said, "Pastor, when I'm in church or not, I'm with God." Yeah. You know what he was saying? Keep quiet. Somebody can finish your foundation class and say, "Pastor, now I'm a full member of this church," and for the next six months, you won't see the person. Am I talking here? <laughs> And when the person comes, he doesn't expect you to say, Ah, we haven't seen you. Why now? You should just say, Ah, how are you? How is everything? (laughs) So whenever you remember to pray, please pray for us. Sincerely, I did not know that the Asians thought they were superior to the blacks. I did not know. I did not know. Until I wanted to disciple one man. He said, I don't want you to put me under your wings. Ha! And he left church. I said to oh. So I got to a point now, in our leadership team, we have different people. So I told the Ghanian, oversee your Ghanian brothers. I told the uh, whatever. Indians, oversee your Indian. Because I don't know. How will I know what an Indian expects of a pastor? I have no clue. So, Indians, fellowship with Indians. This one, fellowship with All I come and just share the word. Share the word. Can I hear that? How many of you think you should be praying for me? Please do. Please do. A white man doesn't come to church and say, why didn't we see you? He said, this is intrusion. On my privacy. Why must you be bothered when I didn't come to church? I'm sorry. I won't ask again. (laughs) You see, so when Africans come, I sit them down. I say, if you're expecting us to treat you, they will, do it, they will treat you in an African church. You've come to the wrong place. Because I won't be treating you differently. You see, all of them, they are all different. A Korean who married a Filipino, you are in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> How would you relate to both of us? Other than just say, Jesus! You said you will build your church. <laughs> build it. Can I hear Can I hear It has come to that. Jesus said He will build this church, Whatever you want to do, just do. Because you don't know when you will offend this one and this one is happy. And you don't want to give an impression that because you are African, then you are giving preference to Africans. So you just say you know what? Lord Jesus, build your church. I will just preach to them, you build them. So you are welcome this evening. (laughs) My wife sends her love, she's the one preaching tonight, amen. So tonight we are looking at the subject of stewardship. Now let me say this before we go on, as I was praying for this meeting, the Lord told me to tell you three things will happen, restoration is taking place. There is somebody here you need restoration in your relationship, receive that Restoration. There's somebody, there's a sickness that has prevailed in your body, restoration in your physical body is taking place. And there's another person, there's a restoration in your finances. Receive it in Jesus name. I said receive it in Jesus name. Because that's what the Lord laid on my heart as I was praying for you, that these restorations are taking place. Have you received it now? Alright. The subject of stewardship and servanthood. Give me time. I want to look at the subject of stewardship first. Say amen. Stewardship has to do with the management and care of something, particularly the kind that works. Biblical stewardship is the uh, utilizing and managing all resources God provides for the glory of God and the betterment of his creation. I tell you what, do you know how I understand stewardship? Long ago, God shared with me, that everything in life you are supposed to steward it do you know that god gave you the body you have is it true the eyes you have is it true everything about you from your human resources to your human relationships god expects you to steward all of them and a steward does it for the master for the sake of his master is that not true so you and I are stewards of our time, 24 hours, time management. We're steward of our eyes. Hello. We're steward of our minds, what we allow to think in our minds. Is that true? We're steward of everything. And husbands, you are stewards of your wife's love. Let me not go down that path. Husbands, you are stewards of what? Have you noticed that there's nothing God created in the Garden of Eden In its absolute finished state. Let me ask you. This is wood, right? In the Garden of Eden, can we find this? What did we find? Trees. What happened to the tree that it became this? Somebody stewarded that tree to produce this. Is somebody hearing me here? When you see a baby, that baby has potential to become something else. Is it true? But the stewardship that will bring that baby in the path that God wants her to go. Him to go. Am I talking here? So, everything around you is waiting for your stewardship. So, instead of thinking of stewardship just as a servant who is helping somebody else, see yourself as a steward under God. That everything that He has brought your way, you need to steward it. So, I'll just run through some principles of stewardship. I call them principles of stewardship for life management. Then I can build out on some scriptures. The scripture is Luke 16 verses 10 to 13 when it says he who is faithful in very little thing is faithful also in much I want you to take note it didn't say he who is faithful in little will be faithful in much it said he who is faithful in little is faithful in much so in the economy of God it's not the quantity that determines anything yet it's the faithfulness but so we're going to come back to the scriptures but let me just run through the principles of life management that I call stewardship number one everything we have is given to us by God James 1 17-25 all good and perfect gifts come from God say amen everything you have has been given to you by God your body your mind your eyes everything everything you have has been given to you by God Point number two, everything we're given has potential in them. They can increase, multiply, and become greater than how we were given. Is it true? Is it true? Is it true? You see, when a baby is born, that baby has potential. How many of you know that the world champions today are Olympic gold medalists? They don't have more muscles than anybody else. Is it true? Is it true? The geniuses of today, do they have more brains than anybody else? So, that means that if you see a world champion, that person has stewarded their muscles to the point where they can run and have gold medal. But you have the same number of muscles as they have. Well, thank God that you are not running. Am I talking here? I want you to see the potential that lies in even our humanity. Our muscles... Our minds, can you imagine the potential that lies in us, human beings? And that's how God designed life. That everything you're seeing today has not come to the full manifestation of the potential it has, awaiting the stewardship of somebody to bring you to that level. That means if you see a marriage today, that marriage has potential. But if it's not properly stewarded, God help us. So if you were the devil, what would you fight the most? Stewardship. Let them waste their time. They have only 24 hours. Have you noticed that nobody has more than 24 hours a day? So what they do with their 24 hours determines what comes out of it. And that's the reason why when people embrace religion rather than true Christianity, they say things like, whatever God wants to happen will happen. No, don't believe it. God needs your participation for anything to happen. Am I talking here? And especially when it happens in your own life, God needs you to participate. I tell people, I say, if you've missed it, repent. And if you've come back in line with God, ask God, what would you have me do? Don't just sit down there and say, God, whatever is your will for me, you know. How many of you know that healing, for instance, has already been provided for? So, do you pray this prayer? Oh God, if it be thy will, heal me now. You pray that prayer. I hope you don't. Say amen. Because it's already available. Say amen. So that means that even when you're now looking at who you are in Christ, the potential is tremendous. But if you don't discover who you are in Christ, does it stop that it has been provided for? No. And if you now discover, and if you don't allow it to become part and parcel of your life... You are the one falling short of the potential. The Bible says, "He who knew no sin was made sin, that you can be made what? How many of you are righteousness conscious? The Bible says, come boldly to the throne of grace. How many of you know you are welcome in the presence of the Father? Those are potentials there that you have not probably stewarded well. Am I talking here? So we just want to get that into us that everything we've got came from God and everything has potential to increase. Can I hear an amen? They can increase, they can multiply, they can become greater than how we were given. Number three, how we handle these things given to us will determine how we are rewarded or judged. You know what? Our ability to manage and steward these things is the key to our success in life. Can I hear an Amen. Our ability to manage what God has given us and steward it correctly is the key to our success in life. Can I hear an amen? Number four, we shall give account to our giver, God, for how we related, treated, and utilize what He has given us. Hebrews 13, 17. We shall give account. Everybody will give account. Is it true? So as a steward, you're going to give account. You're going to account for how you handle the things that God gave you. When a child is born, the parents have a right to steward that child in the best way to bring out the best that God has for that child. Is it true? Let me tell you something, my brother, my sister. Even when you discover who you are in Christ, it's your responsibility to steward your relationship with God to produce the results that God wants. Have you ever noticed that whenever Jesus would teach, like in Matthew 6, he would say things like prayer, fasting, giving. Do you know those are stewardship principles? You are stewarding your relationship with God when you maintain your prayer life. You are. You think prayer is just about asking God questions. No, no, you are maintaining contact so that His will can be done in your life. You are stewarding your relationship with God when you learn to give. Because you are saying to God, You are the source and I'm obeying you, honoring you with my tithe, with my giving. And you are saying to God, I expect you to multiply the seed that I have sown. Stewardship. What about your fasting? You are stewarding your relationship with God. A lot of us don't know that because we do it only for the outcome, for, okay, let's fast about this, let's pray about that. No, sometimes you just do those three things as a steward under God. Can I hear loud, amen? You see, when you are in touch with God and you understand stewardship, then God can reveal many more things to you. How about a calling? Do you know a calling needs to be stewarded? I'm called to preach to the nations. How are you stewarding that? Are you maintaining contact with the caller? Are you asking what phase of my calling have I entered now? Is it stewardship? Are you, are you, are you, are you expecting the caller to inform you as to what he expects you to do now that you know that you have the calling? What about the marketplace? Thank God for what I heard today. Maybe I'll have to invite that brother to our own church too. You know, that's marketplace ministries. The the bottom line today is people have been affected in the marketplace and the church needs to have a witness in the marketplace. So that's why I like what I heard today. The church must have a witness in the marketplace. Somebody who knows his right from his left, who knows the spiritual responsibilities, and is in the marketplace, and is making progress in the marketplace. And others can say, that one is a brother, that one is a sister, that one is a Christian. Because they understand the principle of stewardship. You steward your relationships around you. Can I hear an amen? You steward. Why? Because everything God gave you has a purpose behind it. God gave you something for a purpose. It's not just so that you can bear the name Christian. It's so that you can accomplish the purpose for which he puts you on earth. You know God has a picture for what marriage should look like. Do you know that? So he wants you to steward yours to be like that. I told somebody, I said, being in Christ is not customized. You know what that means? It means that I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. Nobody can be more righteous than being the righteousness of God in Christ. And it's available to everyone. Did you hear what I just said? I said, it's what? But you can hear it today and say, that pastor does not know my problems. So. <laughs> Me, righteousness. <laughs> ah, hey, I know myself. So I'm not righteous at all. You know what you've just done? You've just thrown away what was given to you. But if you say, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ, and you do it with a relationship mindset, then God will now tell you that what you have been struggling with for sin is below you. You know, some people say, ah, God, deliver me from this sin. God, if you fellowship with God, he will tell you, being my righteousness, that sin is to below you. It's not for you to be fighting to pull it down. It's for you to see it on the ground and say, this is below me. Am I talking here? A lot of times we don't understand what God has in mind when he makes his provision for us. When he gave you the name of Jesus, some people think that it's in the shouting of the name that the name has power. No, it is in the bearing first. Do you know you bear that name in the realm of the spirit? Did you hear what I just said? I said you bear that name in the realm of the spirit. Demons shall see you and know you bear the name. So that when you speak, you speak from that consciousness of that name. But why is it that many people don't have it? They've not stewarded that name. They've not stewarded who you are in Christ. You see, the Bible says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, is a what? All things are what? Well, and everything has become? Has that become a reality in your life? Or it has just become something you do so that others in this church can accept you? That's called religion. If you see what that relationship, what it means is that you now come to the place where you say, all things are indeed passed away. So when you look at yourself, you say, hey, come, come, come. This is gone in my life. That is gone in my life. Why? Because all things are what? And everything has become. And all these things are of God. Was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses against them, and giving us the ministry of reconciliation. That he will, God, Jesus was made sin. Not that he committed it, he was made it. That you might be made the righteousness of God. Steward that reality. How do you steward it? Well, the first thing to do is to speak it to yourself I am the righteousness of God in Christ. I am the right. I mean, speak it one million times if you have to. Keep speaking it to yourself. Build that consciousness. You see, there's something I found in the new creation. If you don't build the consciousness into yourself, you will only look for it when you are in trouble. Don't wait for trouble. Build it in. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. That, what that means is that, uh, you know, if I have to talk to God the Father, I have access. I am welcome in His presence. How many of you have heard this before? Maybe you are praying about a sick situation, a healing situation, and the thought occurred to you, uh, you have not done enough for God, for God to heal you. Anybody? You've heard that before. Anybody else? You've not done enough for God to heal you. Why should God heal you? Do you see what the enemy is playing on? It's playing on ignorance. Your healing is not a function of how much you did for God. Your healing is a function of the finished work of Calvary. He bore your sickness and disease. Am I making sense? But if you don't know, you will say, ah, it's true. And then you'll be praying and fasting for healing. But you don't need to because it's available. It's yours. Say, I take it. Say one more time, I take it. It's yours for the taking. Asking. Did you know what I just said? Not even for the. Oh God, what if it's your will? Let me be healed. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Lord Jesus, I thank you because on the cross you bore my sickness. Satan, you take your hands off my body. My body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. I have presented my body a sacrifice unto God. So Satan, you have no business putting sickness here. Now, in the name of Jesus, I command that sickness to go. And I receive my healing. Now that's how righteousness consciousness prays. Religion says, "Beg God." Righteousness says, "Take it." Are you ready to take it? What about when you say, "Lay hands on the sick"? See how the Bible says, "These signs shall follow them that, in My name." What else? Amongst other things, they lay hands on the sick and they recover. So when you, as a believer in the marketplace, see a situation, does it not cut to you to say, "Guys, I'd like to pray for you if you don't mind. I lay hands on you." When they look at you with surprise, talk to me. Are you one of those? Oh no, no, no! I just believe in Jesus. I want to lay hands on you. Are you going to say, "I will lay hands on you if it's the will of God for you to"? Are you going to talk like that? No, you're going to talk with confidence. Why? You've been in relationship with the You see, what religion does is that it stops the relationship and takes the works. Did you catch me? It takes the work, works, not the relationship. No, the secret of stewardship is relationship. You maintain relationship with the Father. Even when you see an instruction in the Bible that is hard to, to handle, maintain your relationship. I told somebody, I said, husband, love your wife as Christ loved the church. How can I love my wife as Christ loved the church if I have not experienced the love of Christ myself? Can you see the problem? How can I love my wife? So I have to ask God, please help me to love her as Christ loved the church. Why? Relationship. Are you following me? Let me run through these principles and I'll take a few scriptures and then we'll look at hood and I can let you go. Say Amen. So we give account. Number five, our respect for God, our fear of God in bracket, will determine how we treat His gifts in our lives. His gifts are designed to bless many others, bring fulfillment in our lives, and bring satisfaction to His own heart. We call it the glory, of, to bring glory to God. Proverbs 22, verse 4, By humility and the fear of God, the Lord of, of the Lord are riches and honor and life. What I'm saying here is that if I have respect for God, call the fear of God, It will determine how I treat his gifts. Can I hear an amen? It will determine what I do with what God has given me. I won't just treat it anyhow. I won't look at it as if I'm the one who accomplished it. I will give him the honor of seeing it happen. And another thing I found out is this. Everything God gives you is to make you a blessing to other people. Wow. Did you hear me, somebody? Fulfillment in your life has to do with you being a blessing to other people. They said nobody died, and this, now when they were talking about him after he's dead, oh, he had so much money in the account. They said, you won't hear that. Oh, he was such a fine human being, tall and handsome. They said, you not hear much of that. But what he did to contribute to other people's lives is what they talk about. You know what that tells me? The essence of everything God has given us is so that we can be a blessing to others this is not just oh i'm blessed myself it is for me to be a blessing turn to your neighbor and say i'm a blessing turn to your neighbor in the next one and say i'm a blessing you see god wants you to bring satisfaction to his heart but his gifts are designed to bless many others that's a hard thing for us to understand because If we're going to talk about servanthood, I want you to know something about servant leadership. I'm not finishing my points. I just want to make a comment. Where did I learn servant leadership, shall I tell you? From a white man. It was Jack Hayford. He was mentoring me at that time. I would travel from Cano to California, sit on the jack. He had what he called pastoral nurture. We're pastors from different parts of the world. And he'll be sharing with us. So one day he said, the 10,000-member church that I serve as a pastor, my africaness could not take it. I said, sir, did you say serve as a pastor? He said, yes. I said, what do you mean? He said, haven't you read the Bible that there's servant leadership? My head couldn't take it. So I sat him down after the meeting. I said, come and talk to me. Because at that time, I mentally pictured the leaders of the body of Christ in Nigeria. I didn't see anybody I'm sorry. I didn't see anybody serving anybody. So, I said, um, I have a problem here. It took me three months of study to begin to understand. Because there's another thing there. In Africa, we respect our leaders. Can I hear an amen? And we should. But, When I now found out how to communicate that to my African leaders, I said, let us serve the purpose of God in the lives of our people. Did you catch that? You see, in Africa, a servant is a servant. A leader is a leader. To put servant leadership together is a conflict. Is it true? And so some white people don't understand that. So when they come in, they say, "I don't take my Bible." Don't take. They say, "No, no, no. That's the way we show honor to you. Let us take your Bible." But what you should do is that, even as I'm standing here now, am I serving God's purpose in your lives, or am I displaying my knowledge for you to know how knowledgeable I am? That's servant leadership. Am I talking to somebody here? So servant leadership means. I am raised by God to serve God's purpose in the lives of people. I hope that helps you. So whenever we talk about being a blessing to others, it is a genuine blessing. Am I talking here? It's a what? A genuine? Are you receiving any encouragement by the things I'm saying? Yeah, I am here as a servant serving his purpose. Now, if you are not interested in his purpose, then what I'm doing is might be a waste of time. But if you're here, it's because you're interested in his purpose for your life. So I'm serving his purpose with all the skill, all the exposure, all the knowledge he has given me. I am serving his purpose in your life. Marketplace leader, put that on board. And say, how can I serve God's purpose in the lives of the marketplace people? You will invite some of them for coffee and pass a tract to them when apostle is doing a crusade. Say amen. Say, no, I don't want them to know I'm a Christian. Why not? You know, when I go to interact with people in marketplace, they say, oh, what do you do? I say I'm a leadership consultant. Hello? I say, how do you do it? I do it in churches. What, what, what do you mean? Actually, what it is is that, you see, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. <laughs> <laughs> you You got it. If I went there and said, I'm a pastor, you say, oh, you mean a vicar? Vicar? Oh, okay, okay, okay. No, I say, I'm a leadership consultant. I help people to discover their potential in God. I help people to grow into all that God has for them. Is that how I'm doing here now? What have I done? I've chosen their language to explain my assignment. (laughs) <laughs> if you know how so many people have asked me questions, and they sat down and said, I need to know. I even, what's the nature of your work? I travel around. Wow! What do you do when you travel? I help people discover what God has planned for their lives. Wow! Tell me more about it. All of them will sit down like this. I say, all of it starts with knowing that we've all sinned. And come short of it. you think they will stand up at that point. No, I've already gotten their attention. I learned that from Jesus Christ. Did you hear me? When he met the woman at the well, listen, he said, Give me water to drink. It's called connection. Did you hear me? You don't connect and say, Oh, so, you know, the soul that things shall die. If you repeat that. Give me water. The woman said, me, a Samaritan, to ask you. And he said, you don't understand. Then he said, there is water I have that if you get, you won't come to this. Ah, ah, ah. Give me that, that. You see, that's water. What am I saying? I did a series on evangelism in our church and I broke it down. Connect. You have to connect with the people. You must learn to connect. I'm in phone. I'm checking them out my phone. They say, ah, what do you do? You think I'll say, I'm a vicar. Who wants to know a vicar? I'm a leadership consultant. What, what does that mean? You mean you train? Yeah. And I even do it around the world. I know that appeals to them. I've just come back from Cameroon, Nigeria. We have installations in Ghana, in, in America. Wow. Wow. Talk to me. By the time I finish with them, they've heard the gospel clearly. Clearly. It's up to them whether they want to accept it, but they cannot deny the gospel. And you know what I found out? Even though they don't receive the gospel from me, they still like me as a friend. The seed has been sown. So when they are smoking, when I come around here. They... <laughs> because they know where I'm coming from. Why? Because I've explained to them. Am I talking here? Right? Well, I'm here to serve the purpose of God in the lives of people. An unbeliever, the purpose of God is their salvation. Yeah, you can manage them in your office, whatever. But when you have time, sow the seed. Plant it. Am I talking? Paul says, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus. Why? It is the power of God unto salvation. To them that believe. Now, many people believe all kinds of things. It's up to us to inject the right things into them. Can I hear loud amen? I have got a Muslim man to come for our men's breakfast before. He said, I'm a Muslim, but I will come. Why? I connected with him so brilliantly. He respects me to the highest height. Anything I say, he will do. What? When I was connecting with him, I didn't connect with him like uh, uh, apologetically, you know. I'm a Christian. And you know that uh, some people do that in this country. I don't do that. I am not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of what I carry. I believe that what I carry can change your life. And I want to serve the purpose of God in your life. I interact with a lot of Muslims, they call themselves Muslim moderates, that I will talk to you. But I won't get into an argument and uh, you know, Islam says this, hmm. I will just ask you one question. Have you been able to overcome sin in your life? That's all. I have an antidote for your sin in your life. What's the antidote? Jesus. You can argue all you want. One guy came to repair something in our house, and he was like, "You know, I don't believe in the Bible. I don't do this." You know what I told him? I said, "You are talking to somebody who has laid hands on the sick, and they have been healed." He said, "Then that changes the picture." I said, "I have not only believed the Bible; I have experienced what the Bible says." He kept quiet. From that moment, I was one preaching to him. You know what I'm saying? Is for God to give you utterance to know how to serve his purpose in every life you encounter. From the moment I said, he was saying, uh, you know who wrote the Bible? He was trying to prove to me that the King James was written by... Uh, I said, forget. I said, you've come a bit too late because I have experienced what the Bible says. He said, what do you mean? I said, I have laid hands on the sick and they have been healed. He said, and that changes the equation. You know why I changed the equation? I'm not just a hearer, a debater, a researcher. I'm an experiencer of what the Bible says. When the push comes to shove, you reveal that at the right time. When they see that, they say, you can tell us more about the Bible. I explain all that to say that your stewardship is to serve the purpose of God in the lives of people. Listen, my brother, my sister, when people know that you are looking for their highest good, they will serve you in any way that they can. Am I talking here? Am I talking here? Am I talking here? Are you receiving something here? All right, so let's look at that. Number six, the purpose of anything is usually in the mind of the maker. When purpose is not known, abuse is inevitable. When things given are abused, their potential remain on tap and the benefits derivable are lost due to ignorance of purpose. Number seven, our lifestyle should be determined by the recognition of the gifts, the proper development and utilization of these gifts so maximum benefits can accrue to mankind and the creator is pleased. We are to manage our lives according to the expectations of the giver of his many-sided gifts. Proverbs 10, 4-5, and Proverbs 21, verses 5 to the end. Amen. God is the source of all good things, and there are channels around us through which these things come to us. Say aloud, Amen. In the part 2 of this stewardship, I wrote about how to increase in what God has given you. Should I go through that quickly? Should I go through that quickly? Okay. How to increase in anything and how to sustain the increase. God is interested in our coming into increase. Remember the Lord thy God for it is he who causes you to prosper. Say aloud amen. I wish above all things that you prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. The love of money is the root of all evil. I've learned to abase and to abound. I can do all things. I just wrote loads of scriptures there. But the point I wanted to get to you is that God wants you to increase. You believe that? You believe that? You believe that? And let me tell you the secret of increase, it doesn't start outside, it starts inside. Have you noticed that? Increase does not start outside. It starts where? Because even poverty is also an inside issue. Did you hear me? The Bible says as your soul prospers, it in fact implies that the issues of life are from within, not from without. Proverbs tells us to guard our hearts with all diligence, for out of it flows the issues of life. So many spend their time taking care of the external part of their lives and pay little attention to the internal parts. Failure is as a result of making wrong choices over time. Success is as a result of making right choices and being disciplined to stay with them. Our choices are a product of our operating mentalities in our lives. Our thoughts, perceptions, opinions, desires are all inside us. Our self-image also matters. Our nature, nurture, culture have all contributed to how we see ourselves and how we see things around us. There are three things. I learned it from one of the messages my wife preached. She said, nature, nurture, culture. I was say nature, nurture, culture. Those things have already defined who we are. You see, how your mind is working now can be changed. Do you believe that? But if you don't do anything about how your nature, your nurture, how you were brought up, and your culture has programmed you, if you do nothing about it, nothing will change. Am I talking here? I say if you do nothing about it, what? Nothing will change. But God wants it to change. Can I hear an amen? How many of you know that many people are brought up with rejection? True? How do you know when you have rejection in your life? Every correction reminds you of rejection. That's where you know there's rejection. If you were brought up in poverty, all you are thinking of is you have a victim mentality. They are not taking care of us. Nobody loves me here. You know one of the secrets of success? Take full responsibility for your future. Did you hear me, sir? Stop blaming anybody else. I asked somebody one day, I said, if you invested your money with somebody and they and they deprived you or they stole it away or you failed in that investment, I said, who is to blame? Is it the person you invested with or yourself? Because you didn't investigate. Should I give you another secret? If I looked at a male person today and I said, you white brother, why are you behaving like this? Would you get angry with me? If I looked at you and I said, male brother, white brother, why are you angry? Would you get angry? Why? It's not true. So, what makes you angry, really, is an opinion of yourself that is not accurate. So when somebody else now repeats it, now you get angry. In other words, you agreed with them. That's why you were angry. (laughs) Did you hear what I just said? You get the message. So, your self-image is what... You see, if you don't believe you are good and somebody says you are bad, you get angry. Because they are echoing what you truly believe about yourself. Hello? I'm trying to deliver you from poor self-esteem. If I looked at you and said, you are a useless person, would you be angry? You look behind and say, maybe somebody else they're talking about. Are you seeing what I'm saying here? So when we say success and increase starts from within, it is so true. How do you see yourself? Because if somebody says to you, you are useless, you are this, you are that, you should say, why is this person like you? Maybe he's talking to somebody else. Because the esteem I have of myself, the image I have of myself, has nothing to do with that person's opinion. And if the person insists on saying those things, you know what I tell them? YP, your problem. It's their problem, not yours. Say loud, amen. But how do you build a healthy self-esteem? Through the words of your mouth. Through the thoughts you think. Are you seeing what I'm saying here? So you are the one to build it. I'm not talking about, oh, don't be lying to yourself. I'm a millionaire. I'm a, no, no, that's not what I'm, religion always takes things to extreme. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm saying you find what God says about you and you say it to yourself. I am who God says I am. I have what God says I have. I can do what God says I can do. And I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You build, you must labor to build a self-esteem that is healthy. If you don't, you wouldn't have healthy relationships with anybody. How I many of you have problems with relationships today? You know, the greatest area of problem with everybody is relationship. True or false? Especially leaders. You know, I used to ask myself, Why are you so angry? Should I give you one story? Somebody said something to me and I was so angry. I said, God, why did they say that to me? So I went into my closet I said, God, why was I so angry? You know what God told me? Your pride. Then I said, what am I proud of? He said, because you think that what you did in the past, they have not respected it enough. That's why they are talking to you like this. I said, so what should I do? He said, equate everything you did in the past as if you did as unto me and release that person. That's the end of the argument. Are you getting the point? You see, a lot of us have issues with people. Shall I tell you what it stops from working in your life? Your faith. If you want to know the reason why faith stops working, is offense in the heart. And everybody gets offended by one person or the other. See the way they looked at me. See the way they talked to me. See, 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 see Deal. Let's deal. I say, let's deal. Get rid of that. It's not going to help you. It's not going to help you. If anything, it will hinder you. Do you know why many people are not living by faith again? Because their faith have started failing and they couldn't find the reason why. They, they believe God for something. They didn't come. They believe you know, God <laughs> for Let's use our senses now. It's no more faith. Listen, my brother. It's faith that still pleases God. And if you're going to steward your relationship with God, your faith must be productive. Am I talking? If you want your faith to be productive, check your love life. Somebody, do you know how easy it is for someone to offend you? Even when they didn't say anything, you can be offended. (laughs) (laughs) Say the way he just walked past me, he didn't even say hello. I'm sure some people are not in church today. They normally come on Sundays. Am I talking here? Yeah. Get rid of offenses in your heart. I'm serious about that. Listen, my brother my sister, God wants to produce more in your life than what you're seeing now. One of the things that stops it is your faith life. You say, how did I survive in carnal kind of faith? Am I talking... When there was nothing in the natural to depend on, I depended on God and my faith produced. But I now got others to have faith like me and we were producing great results. Am I talking? Listen, my brother, my sister, if anybody has offended you, forgive them. Release them. Know that already. You sow and you reap. But it's not just money. Say amen. It's not just what? You give. Everything obeys this law. We sow thoughts. We reap words. We sow words. We reap actions. We sow actions. We reap habits. And our habits are like horses that take us into our future. You see, it starts with a thought. Every thought you think regularly, you find yourself speaking it. That's why you should watch the thoughts you permit. You see, a lot of times, Satan likes you to major on the negative thoughts. Is that not true? See what they did to me, the pain I'm going through. If only you know what I'm going through. (laughs) Listen. (laughs) If you keep thinking like that, you keep talking like that. What you don't know is that you are sowing seeds into your future. That's why it doesn't change. You know people sow the wrong seeds and then pray for a harvest that is different. It doesn't work like that. You sow the right seeds. You know what I tell some people? Believe God for a crop failure. Because you have sown the wrong (laughs) seeds. We sow thoughts, we reap words. We sow words. And habits are like the horses, listen to me, that take us into our future. I read one book. It said this one man was riding one horse so violently into one place. They stopped him. They said, where are you going? He said, ask my horse. why? your habits are like the horse you are riding taking you to your future so it's not in your hands again that habit that you have formed is riding you to your future don't you think you need to change that habit and it starts with the thoughts, words actions don't you think you need to change some thoughts Say <laughs> do you think you need to change some thoughts Okay, since I have another night with you, I'll just take some time and I will leave this place. Now, third principle is know God as your source. Mm. Let me speak to the marketplace people on this note. When you work in your place of work, who is your source? Talk to me. Is it truly your source? If he is your source, then you will walk diligently as unto him. Well, let me tell you one secret. God is your source. Your job is a channel. If that channel closes, God can open more. Deliver thyself now. I will say, God is my source. My job is a channel. Please know God as your source. It is so helpful. Say loud amen. Say loud Amen. I think I should stop. But let me give you these thoughts. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, Paul was writing. He used three professionals as the characteristic of a productive Christian. He says the soldier, the athlete, and the farmer. That means there's something about the life of a soldier that you need to embrace. And your what? Hardness. So when they are abusing you and they are not respecting you, keep doing it. Say amen. As a s an athlete, what do you do? Be focused. Train. There's one country that when what they did is the Olympics they did in UK some time ago. Huh? Two thousand. I'm told that I hope there's no Ghanaian here, I'm told that Ghana contingent they trained for only three months before they came. Pardon? Winter Olympics. It's a sledge team. Trained for how long? About three months. Nobody wins in medals and trained for only three months. You won't win any medal. You know what that tells me? Cultivate training and put it as part of your lifestyle. So, if I ask you today, what do you do that is telling me where you're going with your life? You should tell me the things you're doing in training. Am I talking? Spiritually speaking, part of training is speaking God's word and your prayer life. Can I hear an amen? It's part of your training. Spiritually speaking, part of your training is acting on God's word. I Everybody say acting on God's word. That's what Jesus meant when he said that the man who hears does, I mean, hears, who comes hears and does my word shall be likened to the man who dug deep and laid the foundation of his house on the rock, when, not if, when the storms came, the house stood. It was the doing side that was the difference. So part of your discipline is doing the word. Don't wait until a crisis moment and say you will do the word. Do it daily. If you read anything in the Bible, do it. Just do it. Let nothing be done out of strife and vainglory. Lord, I get rid of strife in my heart. Do it. Forgive one another. Do it. Just do it. Make it part of your training regime, regime to do what the word says. You will find, if you want to crown it up, take Amplified translation of 1 Corinthians 13 from verse 4 to verse 8. Love is patient and kind. Love does not vaunt itself. It's not arrogant, inflated with pride. If you do that scripture, if you are married, your marriage will enter another realm of love. And if you are not married, even heaven will reckon with you because you will walk like a saint. Say loud amen. Say loud amen. What about the farmer? The farmer plants the seed. Say amen and you should be busy planting the seed. How do you plant seeds in your life? Words. Everybody say words. So what seed are you expecting a harvest of? I learned this from one man of God. He said whenever they need money, they do three prayers. They say, number one, Lord, send your angels to bring in the money. Number two, Satan, take your hands off our money. And number three, money, I call you forth in Jesus' name. Say amen. They do three prayers, and I've been doing that since I learned it. Say amen. If you want to pray for healing, body, be healed. Satan, take your hands off. Lord, release your power through your mercy to heal this body. It's always threefold. Have you noticed life is threefold? God the Father, God the Son. I am the way. Always three three dimensions. Don't always think of the spiritual as one. Always think in three. You know when he says I'm the way, that means the way to God, right? I'm the truth. He says you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. How can you know the truth and when he is himself the truth? Because if you continue, you will know. But he's the truth and he's the one talking. So what does it mean? It means that if I can allow the truth of God's word, watch this, confront the true state of my heart. And replace it. I have embraced him as my truth. But as I walk with him. Everybody say 30 fold. 60 fold. 100 fold. The way, the truth, the life. It's as you continue. You find out that this is truth. And as you walk in. You let him live his life. Through you. Have you received something today? Well I want to thank you once again for having me. And we shall be back tomorrow. As we are standing, as we pray, Father, we want to thank you for your word today. I want to thank you for the opportunity to share this with your people. I pray, Father, that you will use this to do something wonderful in the lives of your people. Lord, confirm this word in their lives with signs following in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Jesus' name we pray. Now, I want to announce that we brought some of our products, CDs, books, and they'll be out there waiting when you come out. Thank you, sir, for having me, and thank you all very much. God bless you. Thank you so much, sir. I'll um, oh, just invite Dick and Zach to come and take our offering.
0: Hey, Let me invite the choir to commentate there, please. their place. Okay. And please be seated. I always remember as a member of the
1: choir, that is a very sweet Uh, command the very
0: sweet instruction after standing for so many hours in very very in so many numerous uh, services that please be seated it's so sweet to hear sometimes so I'll never forget so church is uh, suffering time it's offering time